Finding Revelation Daily, Podcast 6. Finding Revelation in our personal lives is to discover or perceive a surprising in our previous unknown fact through divine or supernatural disclosure. It can be an event, dream, vision, or miracle made known in subtle or dramatic ways. In order to experience revelation, we must discern what is happening in our spirit through exchange and interaction with people, nature, and the connection to our surroundings. Then translate this information into revelation through scriptural knowledge. The revelation will contain and reveal a divine truth that is communicated to us through the understanding of God's guidance and warnings. It may be something He reveals to us through an act of protection, enlightenment, or by revealing spiritual wisdom through a dream, vision, or miracle. My mission is to express to you the importance of being aware and receiving this divine assistance. We all must have an understanding and the knowledge of how God works in our daily lives as revealed in Scripture. We can gain insight by telling each other our experiences. They become a powerful medium in which we can learn and grow. Understanding these messages can help strengthen our resolve when times are difficult. My mission is to give my testimony to help people hear the voice of the Lord and to recognize when God's hand is involved. Each day, we are called to be who the Lord designed us to be. Today's topic is far from my favorite, but unfortunately, it needs to be discussed. About six months before I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I'd been having an ongoing discussion with a coworker about string theory and whether the devil really existed. She had a strong opinion about both the Antichrist and the devil. I told her I didn't believe in the devil. That statement upset her greatly. She would say, don't say that. You don't know what you're doing. I shrugged it off as an overzealous statement. I now understand that Satan causes destruction and works in ways that can bring sickness and suffering to people. Luke 13, 16 says, quote, Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? End quote. Satan's direct role in causing sickness can be attributed to the indirect results of the fall. In the Bible, Genesis chapter 3 tells the story of Satan deceiving man. The term, the fall, is used to describe the transition of the first man and woman from a state of innocent obedience to God to a state of guilty disobedience. The works of Satan, or the devil as I sometimes call him, uses bacteria, viruses, poison, malnutrition, accidents, rapists, murderers, and any other scourge upon our society to promote sickness, pain, suffering, and death. During that same period of time that I was having the discussions with my friend at work, I had been watching a television program that featured a man who intimated he was the devil, even though the television program never announced who he was. I believe I came to this conclusion by the things he said and the way he looked. They made it clear that if he was not Satan himself, he was representing him. One night, that same man who had been portraying the devil in the program I had been watching on television stood next to my bed and said, quote, Do you believe this? End quote. Then he touched the top of my right hand that was sticking out from underneath the covers and dangling off the side of the bed. 
I felt that touch so vividly, it startled me awake. A couple months later, the right breast is where the doctor found the stage 3 breast cancer that spread into the lymph nodes into my right arm. I didn't connect the dots as to Satan's involvement in my diagnosis until many years later. I now know there is a war between good and evil, and I've experienced it firsthand. The doctors told me the type of breast cancer I had had taken years to develop. Not until the pain started radiating through my right arm did I detect that something was wrong. This goes to show how the devil can exploit an opportunity. He wanted me to believe that he had the power to give me cancer. The only way the devil has the power to do anything to us is when we give him the authority to do so by opening doors for him to walk through. God is the only one who has the power to give or take away. The devil is a liar and a manipulator who wanted me to think he had the power to destroy me with a touch. God does not give the devil that power. That is why the devil has to concoct these schemes. I believe he was hoping to break my faith so I would blame God. I'm confident that as I go through these trials and tribulations, I'm being refined like a piece of gold. Zechariah 13.9 says, quote, This third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, They are my people. And they will say, The Lord is our God. The first few months after my diagnosis was emotionally distressing while trying to absorb the gravity of my condition and accept what the future might bring. One day, while lying in my bed, resting, a great wail came out of my body. I'd never heard anything like it before. It was such a sorrowful sound. I could feel all the anxiety and fear leave my body. Romans 8, 26-27 says, quote, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. End quote. I now know that Jesus has the power over Satan. Job 1.12 says, quote, The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. End quote. I realize now that I should never have proclaimed my unbelief of the devil's existence. I should have stated the truth, which is, quote, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and will protect me from all evil, end quote. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer, the cancer was in four places in my right breast and in 17 lymph nodes in my right arm. My doctor determined I would need a mastectomy followed by chemotherapy and radiation treatments. At the chemo consultation, I had been told that my fingernails might turn black, that I would get mouth sores, and that my gums would bleed. I was also told I would experience an increased shortness of breath with minimal exertion, uncontrolled pain, nausea, 
vomiting, diarrhea, loss of appetite, uncontrollable anxiety or nervousness with an ongoing depression. None of this happened, though I did lose my hair and felt a little tired. I started the chemotherapy approximately six weeks after my surgery. On the first day of my chemotherapy treatment, I got down on my knees and prayed before leaving the house. Then as I sat in the chair and the nurse prepared me for my treatment, I read my prayer book and continued to pray. After the first treatment, I became nauseated for a short time after dinner. After that, I virtually had no side effects or any discomfort from the remaining treatments. My consultation with the radiologist didn't go any better. He informed me I would be receiving extremely high dosage of radiation because of the amount of cancer that was found. He then proceeded to advise me of all the side effects that I could expect. Blistering, lymphedema, rib fracture, radiation pneumonia, secondary cancer, and lung scarring. On the first day of my six-week radiation treatment, I waited for the shuttle to the hospital where the treatments were administered. The bus was filled with people in different phases of their treatments. A large percentage of them wore scarves, bandages, or had open burns on different parts of their bodies and with different levels of severity. I would soon learn that these were badges of honor and good indications of the types of cancer they were being treated for. Each day before leaving the house for my radiation treatments, I said my prayers using my God's Creative Power for Healing booklet, which contained scriptures dedicated to healing, just as I had done throughout my chemo treatments. I would get up in the morning, take my shower, kneel down, say my prayers, get dressed, and drive to the local hospital where I would wait for the shuttle to take me to the radiation facility in the next county. I continued this practice the entire time of the radiation therapy. After my last radiation treatment in the fifth week, I was escorted to the other side of the building to meet with the radiologist, who explained that standard protocol was to remeasure my surgical site so that new plates could be made for the radiation machine. Before I had started the six weeks of radiation treatments, dots were tattooed on the perimeter of where my right breast used to be. So the radiologist could line up the radiation plates to be able to radiate the exact area each time. Now, after five weeks of radiation treatments, my skin would have burned, dried up, and shriveled up, just like what happens to meat in a microwave, the radiologist had said. He continued to explain that he was now going to measure the tattoos to be able to construct the new plates. I sat on a stool in front of him, he said. Okay, let's take a look. I opened the front of my gown, and he took out a gauge to measure the tattoo marks on the right side of my chest. Upon first inspection, he said, Wow, your skin really looks good. What have you been doing? I explained that I had been applying aloe vera after each treatment, just as I had been instructed to do. Yeah, but everybody does that. He turned to the chart to check the original measurements. Turning back to me, he remeasured the tattoos. They're still in the same place. There's been no shrinkage since you were originally started. Your skin is perfect and there's no damage. There has to be an explanation. I've been applying the aloe vera on my neck and chest right after each treatment before I put my clothes back on, I said. Everybody uses the aloe vera. That's not it, he said, shaking his head. I always have to change the plates. 
Well, I guess we're just going to have to use the same plates. There's no reason to remake them. You're good to go. As I was getting dressed, it dawned on me that I had just received another miracle. So, I said, thank you, Jesus. I truly wish I could have had the wherewithal to proclaim this miracle to the radiologist at the time and explain to him that I had prayed each morning. If he had been given the knowledge, it might have strengthened his faith in God, and he could have used that power to help with the healing of other patients. But I missed my chance. That's just one more reason I'm doing this podcast now. I can't miss another chance to proclaim God's work and to give him all the glory, for he's coming back soon, and we're all in the last hour. I'm praying that my experience will help create a confidence in those who read or hear this. By putting our faith in God's words, we can experience supernatural events. I believe God leaves breadcrumbs along the path of life to show us the way, no matter how slowly we proceed. I also believe if we stay aware of His presence through prayer and scripture, we will recognize the signs as Jesus through the Holy Spirit gives them to us. The same way he gave the parables to those who have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. It is written in Isaiah 6.10, Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. End quote. I strive to be in a continuous conversation with the Holy Spirit. My internal voice or spirit contemplates, prays, and converses with the Spirit of God, though I try to be careful with my interpretations. Then I receive one of those breadcrumbs to validate that what I'm feeling, hearing, or seeing is correct, and I know I'm still on the right path. A few years after I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I heard the voice of the Spirit say, It is done. This was the second time I had heard those words. I told my husband that God had told me, It is done. But I didn't know what that meant. Written in the Bible, It is finished, proclaims that all the work the Father had sent Jesus to accomplish was done. His work of hearing the penalty for sins was complete. This means there was no more penalty left to be paid for sins. For all Jesus' suffering, was finished. Hebrews 1.3 says, quote, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. End quote. I believe now that the Holy Spirit was reminding me that Jesus had already suffered and died for my sins, that I was not being punished, and that I could look ahead with faith and know that I can continue to prepare for the world to come. I look forward to connecting with you in my next podcast. In the meantime, you can go to my website at www.livinglifeonhigh.com Or you can email me with some of your own experiences at livinglifeonhigh at gmail.com. God bless, and I look forward to connecting with you in the next podcast.